Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we've been discussing creation models which explain the effects of the flood in combination with what God did on day two of creation for several programs now. That's right, Scott. In fact, it's been three programs. And to be honest, when I started this topic, I had no intention of going into such depth on these creation models. But as we discussed them, especially as we considered the proposals of the hydroplate model, I felt it is just really good information to share with our audience, those that are interested in creation. Because frankly, it's information that I think is not widely understood, even amongst creationists. And I think many people who believe in creation may not even realize that there are different views among scientists concerning the physical nature of the cause of the flood and exactly what God did on day two of creation. Scientists whom we would generally refer to as young earth creationists. Right. And so I've covered briefly the vapor canopy model and the catastrophic plate tectonics model, but have spent a lot of time explaining the hydroplate model. And in today's program, I'm not going to review what we've covered in the last three programs. (laughs) If you haven't heard those shows and are interested in this subject, I recommend you simply go to my website, scriptureoncreation.org. On the homepage, click on the radio tab, and then you can listen to the programs on the hydroplate model that's in the player there. And they're simply listed as parts one, two, and three of the hydroplate model. And parts two and three specifically are on the hydroplate model. And I give a lot of different details about that. And in those programs, specifically on the hydroplate model, you talked about its proposals that do an excellent job of explaining a lot of the physical phenomena mm-hmm. we observe on Earth and even on the moon and comets. However, you pointed out several times that there is a problem with how the hydroplate model interprets the Genesis account of day two of creation, But you keep postponing talking about it, Dr. (laughs) Scripture. You're not trying to avoid it, are you? No, I'm not trying to avoid it. It's just there's been so much information I've been sharing that every time we get to the end of the program, you know, I don't have time to talk about what I consider to be a real concern. Because you're right, there is a problem with the hydroplate model, and it is due to what Genesis chapter 1, verse 8 says, quote, And God called the expanse heaven, unquote. But the hydroplate model says the expanse was a landmass that divided the waters above from the waters below. So for me and many other creationists, the question is how can we somehow understand the meaning of the Hebrew word rakia that's mentioned there in Genesis chapter 1 verse 8, which is translated expanse, to actually somehow be referring to land. When right there in verse 8, it says, and God called the expanse heaven. I mean, heaven is not land. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so given that valid objection, I would say this. I'm still not totally convinced, but I do think that it is possible that the meaning of the word rakia in verse 8 could include a landmass. And that's the key. I think it could include a landmass below the surface water as well as the water and atmosphere above it that would be there on day two. In other words, at this point in the description of the earth, the Hebrew term shamayim, which is translated heaven in verse 8 and everywhere else in the Bible, here in verse 8, that term shamayim 
includes everything above the waters of the subterranean deep. That is the landmass, the watery surface, and even the atmosphere, all of which are now distinct from space as a result of God making the expanse on day two, where on day one, and we got to go back to day one now and think about what the form was of earth on day one. Well, remember it said it was formless and void. So you get this picture in your mind, perhaps of this gaseous, just sort of chaotic mass, right? Okay. Well, on day one, then when the earth was formless and void, There was no distinct barrier, we might say, between what would eventually be the surface of the Earth and then space, outer space. So it sounds like you're saying the meaning of the word heaven in verse 8 could imply not just the sky, but pretty much the entire outer portion of the Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. and I know that that's not a strong argument, I agree, but it does at least have the merit of including the normal use of the Hebrew word shemayim, because it's including the atmosphere, the sky. Mm. But then we must basically assume then that there is an implied addition to the heavens, not mentioned specifically, which includes the other layers which form the outer portion of the Earth. That would then be that mass of land, Mm. under the ocean, the atmosphere, and so forth. Well, if that were so, it seems like the hydroplate model would at least be biblically feasible. And that is what I think is most important to establish, even though I admit it's shaky. You know, it may be, Scott, that if indeed the language is that uncertain here, it helps explain why day two has always been and perhaps will always be difficult to completely understand. Mm And Dr. Scripture, I recall you talking about various terms and phrases in the book of Job that have always been very difficult to translate clearly because some of the Hebrew was just old and rare and therefore tough to compare with other sources in order to verify the meaning. Well, that's a good observation, Scott. So maybe we could put this day two, especially in Genesis chapter one, very, very old Hebrew, although... You know, it was the Hebrew that Moses spoke. In any event, we maybe could put that into the same category as some of the phrases in the book of Job that are frankly just very difficult to interpret, especially understand when we're thinking of scientifically, what do these words mean? What does it look like? And given that proposal, that perhaps the idea that the Arachia was called the Shemayim, in other words, the expanse was called heaven by God, has an implied meaning to be more than the atmosphere, but the hydroplate and the water above it and so forth, I think that that might then fall under the category that so often happens when you've got different attempts at taking biblical revelation and then trying to interpret it scientifically you got all these different models, and we've talked about these different Mm -hmm. models. The vapor canopy model, which for the longest period of time, that's what I've adhered to, and I still don't abandon it by any means. And then there's the catastrophic plate tectonic model, and I've always believed that there were aspects to that that were true as well. And now, you know, I'm leaning more towards this hydroplate model as having many, many very worthwhile attributes to help explain the physical phenomena combined with the biblical account. 
as usually is the case, what we're going to find, I think, is nobody is completely right and nobody's going to be completely wrong. And what you do when you're trying to determine a theory, when you're trying to propose various hypotheses, you test them, whether it's against biblical revelation or against the phenomena that we see around us, you keep adjusting. And so you add this and you add that. And so I think what we're going to end up with eventually, if we really do come to a unified model as parts of all these different models are going to be combined together to overall explain probably pretty accurately our understanding of day two, day three, and then how the flood was caused and then the effects on earth after the flood by all these different phenomena and what God did on these different days of creation. So once again, we've discussed these things quite a bit. For those who are interested, I again recommend that you go to the website and listen to these different programs. I think this is going to be the fourth program, Hydroplate Model Part 4. And I can recommend one other thing besides these programs that we've been recording over the past several weeks. And that is a video, a DVD produced by Bob Enyart. Scott, do you know who Bob Enyart is? Isn't he on the radio? Yeah, that's right. He's on the radio. He's not competition, He's, oh. <laughs> but he does have another creation science radio program. It's called Real Science Radio. Hmm. And he has produced this DVD called The Global Flood and the Hydroplate Theory. It's actually in DVD form. It's two separate DVDs. In Blu-ray, it's just on one DVD. And it's really, really excellent. Because it's a DVD, it doesn't just rely on talking like we've had to do on these these <laughs> programs on the hydroplate theory. He's able to show some graphs and so forth. It's really well done. It's obviously done in a lot more detail than we've been able to do in three or four programs on the radio. And so I would recommend, if you're really interested in this, go ahead and look that DVD up, The Global Flood and the Hydroplate Theory, produced by Bob Enyart and Real Science Radio. And so, Scott, we're going to be concluding our discussion on the hydroplate model, but we do have a couple of more minutes. And so let me ask you, given all the discussion that we've had, is there any question that you'd like to ask, maybe that you figure listeners might be asking that, you know, I'm not thinking about? Well, here's one I've been wondering about kind of through this series. Okay. I mean, you suggested a possible, at least partial harmonizing of say, the vapor canopy mm -hmm. model and the hydroplate model, right. if that harmonization is possible, so to speak, is it necessary then to reinterpret that word rakia? Can it simply mean heaven? Ah, well, and that's a good point. Hopefully, I'm not trying to completely reinterpret it, but I do see what you mean, sort of thinking of it differently or basically sticking with the original idea that rakia just refers to the sky. Yeah. I would say yes and no, because so much a part of the hydroplate model depends on seeing that land mass as being the division between the water above and below. Mm. The water above being the ocean, the water below being the subterranean water, that to just leave that interpretation out and stick with what, frankly, I've always stuck with in years past, the rachia being the atmosphere with a vapor canopy above and the ocean below, that would really essentially cause that hydroplate, that landmass, to be completely left out of the Bible. We might say it's completely silent. 
Mm. Now, that could very well be. And so when Genesis chapter 7, 11 says, and the great fountains of the deep burst open, we are clueless other than the research that we've been doing now. We would be clueless that the source of that water was this massive subterranean mm. body of water underneath the plate of land that was raised up on the third day. But I guess it's difficult for me to speak for the hydroplate scientists uh. <laughs> because, you know, really, I, I'm sort of out of the loop on this. I'm just sort of catching up, so to speak, mm-hmm. with this new idea that actually isn't that new. It's been around for decades. But I would sort of think that they really are interpreting that rachia to at least have to include the landmass mm-hmm. and not only be the atmosphere. And I also think that they tend to minimize the importance, frankly, of the vapor canopy. Whether or not they think there even was one, they, they certainly minimize it compared to how important the vapor canopy model considers that upper body of water to be water that protected the earth and that precipitated out as a result of the floodgates of the sky opening. So there are still many questions. We haven't figured it all out, but let's conclude our series here on the hydroplate model with Genesis chapter 7, verse 17, where it says, Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water, and the water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. Here's a special announcement for all of our Scripture on Creation listeners. We would like to know what radio station you tune in to hear our program. So please contact us and tell us what station you listen to. You're also welcome to tell us what you think of the program. And in appreciation for your response, Scripture on Creation Ministries will send you a beautiful, full-size 2023 creation calendar with Dr. Scripture's compliments. You can contact us by email, regular mail, text, or phone. And remember, to receive your free calendar, you must include your mailing address. Now here's Carolyn with that contact information. 